Proverbs today, Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. I love the Proverbs. Lord, we, um, we seek after you today, and as we now open your word, we understand, God, that your word never returns void. There is something supernatural, not like an incantation, but, Lord, there's power in your words that you've given to us. There's life there. So even as we explore and as we talk, Lord, and as we go down a pathway, Lord, I pray that your, that your spirit would circulate among us, speaking to hearts, encouraging nudging where needed, but Lord, bringing life and hope and resurrection into souls, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, today we're going to take a a look at Matthew 4. Today is the second to the last day on the uh, series on character. We've been doing this for the whole month, and by the time we get done, it will have been six six messages. Next week will be the last one. And um, if you've missed any parts of it, I encourage you just to get on our webpage. It's there. It's free. um, www crossroadsfoursquare.net and uh, you can go to the, the message page and you can download it or you can listen to it live but encourage you to stay in, in cadence with the rest of the church family here if you've missed any of them and you'll find out as you look backwards that, that the messages are not Bible thumping telling you if you're going to have character you do these 43 things and that's what character is that's not what the messages have been at all and um, so I encourage you, if you missed out, just to, to get in with us. Let's look today at uh, Matthew 4, starting in verse 1, and read to verse 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the, tempter, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give, give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. I love finding the red words in the New Testament on the several translations. If it's Jesus actually quoting Jesus, they, they, they're in red. And it's always interesting to read the red words. It's, there's a lot there for us. Uh, you know, the last several weeks, um, we've been talking about character. And we define character basically, I'm going to way summarize this. Basically, it's just doing the right thing. Just doing the right thing. The way God would define right. And it doesn't matter what the cost is. Just doing the right thing is what character is. It's not something that you and I can manufacture, by the way. It's not up to you to somehow produce in yourself a a person of character. It's something that the Lord of God wants to do through you. As parents, there's lots we can do to make the the soil all nicely plowed and the irrigation all ready to go, but this is going to be a work of the Lord when character comes out. And we taught that biblical directives without biblical thinking always leads to short-term obedience, but long-term that leads to frustration. Because if you don't understand why you're doing the things you're doing, you eventually will just give up and it'll become frustration. And a renewed mind is what, tra- is what results in a transformed life. We're still in that verse. Romans 12, 2, don't conform any longer to, don't be, don't be like the world is, but instead become transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to know the Lord's will, 
and you'll, uh, his good and perfect will. You'll understand those things. That's Romans 2. And if you're going to be renewed, it takes two steps. Two steps. One is that you take off the old. That's what we talked about last week. We, talked, we spent quite a bit of time talking about some of the lies we have heard and taught and listened to ourselves. And if you, you know, like I said before, if you didn't get that, or you weren't here, get the message. John 8 says this, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's the truth that sets us free. It's not singing. It's not attending church. It's not trying harder that will get you free. It's the truth. And it's the truth that sets us free. Today, today we're going to be t- uh, talking about putting on what's new, the second step. And, you know, before I get too far into this, I, I'm concerned that some of you, <laughs> somewhere along the way, are going to say, no, no, Terry, what you're talking about is too hard. It's, it's going to be too much effort. It's going to take too much discipline. And so if uh, my concern is that you're going to fall back on what you've always done, what we've always done, the methods that somehow that you've always used that, that seem really good on the outside, but they somehow fail to, to produce that transformation that we're looking for. So I'm going to start by telling you a little bit about what won't work. But I need you to stay with me on this, because in the first few sentences here, you might start throwing tomatoes at me if you don't listen to my heart. Okay, I want to tell you what won't work in being transformed. Prayer. The thing is, many times we see Christians using prayer as some sort of a prescription for an illness that God never intended that it was going to be used for that particular illness. I'm not saying character flaws or illness, by the way. You know, I've, I, I, here's, what, here's, here's what I mean. I see people pray. They're in a circumstance and they start praying, oh God, I pray that I wouldn't keep stealing or God, I pray that I wouldn't keep, and then they name their temptation in their, their weak area. They, they, I pray that my will wouldn't exercise itself in this fashion. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And your free will, your ability to reject the Lord, is what gives the worth to your decision to accept the gift. The Lord won't tamper with your will. The Lord will do a lot of things, but he won't tamper with your will. He gave you free will by choice and by design. So when we toss a prayer to heaven, I don't mean that as simple as it sounds and it's not denigrating, but when we give a prayer to, to heaven that says, um, Lord, we, would you just transform my will into something else? I don't know what to think. I've had people before and I'm praying with them and I, I just don't know. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm having a hard time agreeing with this prayer because I'm not sure my theology goes there. I'm not sure that that's really what the Lord intended prayer to do. The Lord talks about things that will transform us. Prayer wasn't on the list. Nothing against prayer. Well, I'm going to talk about that some more. And, you know, the, other, the, the flip side of that same coin is I've had people come to me and they say, I'm really struggling. I'm trying to stop, and you fill in the blank. I'm trying to stop, and I pray, and I pray, and I pray, and it just doesn't change. And that supports this concern that I have, that people use prayer as a prescription for something that the Lord wasn't ever really designing. That's not really what the purpose of prayer is. Their mind has not been resulted, or their their mind has not been renewed as a result of the prayer. So I don't think that God has given us prayer as the primary instrument, the primary tool for for shaping our character. Got my tool bag there. Honey, could you? I'll get it. Brought a tool bag to church. I, 
Who said it's light? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. No, this, is, this was empty when I started. This is my portable tool bag. I'm watching you now. Okay, I brought my nemesis. This is my nemesis. This is a pipe wrench. It's a pretty cool tool for, um, I guess, for working on a pipe. You twist the pipe with it. If you can get it in the correct direction, you get the pipe to go. And my problem with a pipe wrench is finesse. It always has been. There's just the right amount of tension and torque when you twist it enough to get it tight enough that it doesn't leak and a little bit too much and then it breaks. I don't know that range. I can't ever find that range. It either leaks or I break it. And um, it's really good for taking large a nut off of a bolt. You can use this for that if you don't have the right size wrench for those kinds of things. Um, it's... <laughs> okay. I own a tool here, okay? <laughs> here's the thing. It's really good for twisting and putting pipes together. Have you ever tried to drill a hole with one of these? It, it, it's, it's, it, it just doesn't work. I mean, if you want a hole in that wall over there, I could probably use this and get one into the wall, but that's not what this was designed to do. This is designed for something completely different, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much I want this thing to drill the hole. It was never designed or intended to drill the hole. It doesn't matter if I decide to get a bigger one. Okay, I couldn't get my hole in with this one. How about a bigger one? Because that's the American way. It doesn't make any difference. Well, how about this? How about if instead of a bigger one, I get a bigger, more sophisticated one? You got one of those? Huh? Okay, the respect needle just went up, didn't it? Huh? <laughs> that's a nice crescent wrench. So, it's still a wrench. It doesn't matter how fancy and sophisticated the wrench becomes, it's never going to be the right tool for drilling. It's never going to be quite the right thing. They're terrific tools. They're really valuable, and, and you've got to have a tool, the right tool for the job. And, you know, I can try to drill the hole, and I can curse that wrench all I want. I can blame the wrench, but it was never designed. It was never designed to drill holes. Some people have been trying to drill a hole with a prayer wrench, some people for their whole life, and they don't make forward traction, and then they just get discouraged and they give up. Scripture doesn't offer prayer as the solution to the need of becoming transformed. Scripture offers a renewed mind a renewed mind, not prayer. Now, I'm going to say this about 15 times. Am I against prayer? Absolutely not. I love prayer. I love prayer. It's a wonderful wrench used in the right circumstances. It's the right tool. It's the right thing the Lord intended. Scripture promises that a renewed mind results in a transformed life. And in John chapter 8, we read this before already. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
Just like the fact that attending church doesn't set you free, singing doesn't set you free, it's the truth that sets you free. Scripture doesn't tell you that, that it's prayer that will transform your life. Scripture does say that a renewed mind transforms our life. That's why I'm talking about this, and I want to share this concern. I, I'm certainly in love with prayer. Because prayer is that moment where, when I believe, when it's properly functioning, it's the outward sign of intimacy with the Creator. It's, it's not about incantations. It's not about saying the proper combination of syllables and phrases to somehow open sesame and out comes the door. Instead, it's the natural byproduct of a child on his father's lap or a child talking to his covering, his protection. And what more does the covering want to be than a better covering and a better provider and a better whatever? Prayer is a wonderful thing. But to put on the new we've got to become transformed. Renewing is to take off the old and to put on the new. We've got to become transformed. And there are, in the word of God, not in that toolbox, but in this one, we'll find all kinds of truth there that will set us free. And there are specific truths that we want to talk about today that are the answers to the specific lies that have shaped our character and have stumbled our character. We need specific truth to counter those specific lies. What are the specific truths that you're going to need? I don't know. They're different. They're, are, they're different. I suspect because of our culture and so forth that we might have common, common uh, truths that we need maybe 80% of the time, but there's some percentage that are just specific to you. Somewhere in the Word of God, there is something that so speaks to your cir- circumstances. And it's not, it's not where I am today, or it may not be where your spouse is tomorrow. And that's part of the problem. Finding the specific truth is so important. It's, it's a reason for me to nudge you to move beyond just a purely devotional approach to reading the Bible. Listen, a daily time of reading the Word of God is really, really valuable and rich thing to do. Where you just sit, and maybe your, your pace is such that it's hard for you to spend an hour, and I'm not suggesting that. But where you just sit and read a chapter of something, or two chapters of something, and you read it, and you're learning about something that the Lord's showing there. Maybe it's historical, maybe it's prophetic, I don't know. But what's happening is there is something of the, of the power of, of the Word of God that affects you that you don't see in the moment. But I'm talking about more than that. I'm talking about more than just those devotions when you have a few minutes and you spend a little bit of time in the Word. You know, I, I read through the entire Word of God one year, and all I ever did to, to accomplish that was I intentionally chose that at work, Monday through Friday, during my lunch, I'd spend half of that lunchtime talking and eating and maybe 20 minutes just reading. That was it. At first, it was me pushing through the discipline, but pretty soon it became the part that I looked forward to. I mean, I like food, okay? But I looked forward to just that time because it was rest in my soul. It encouraged me and it built me. And the word of God was being plowed into the soil here. And you know, here's the thing. You read the word of God and you have no idea what the Holy Spirit's doing, but he's taking a seed and he's sticking it down in there. And the soil gets covered off and you don't know when the season will be. And the season will come. And you will encounter something in your life that you've concluded you know, here's something that if this ever happens to me, I'm never going to forgive the person for it. That's the three, here are the three things on my list I won't forgive for it. 
And then all of a sudden, 14 years later, or one day later, you, you encounter this truth that this has happened to you, and your heart's broken, and you've predetermined you're not going to forgive. And the Holy Spirit will remind you of a scripture you read four months ago or four years ago that says, if you won't forgive, how can your Heavenly Father forgive you? And then all of a sudden, the Word of God has returned in a way. It's, it's, it's sprouted in some soil. It's been waiting in Germany, waiting for that moment, at just the right moment, that it pops open and brings life to you and keeps you from being thrown into some place of, of bondage. It's, it's magical, if I can use that word, and you wouldn't misunderstanding. It's amazing. It's supernatural. It's the power of the Word of God. Devotions are great, but I'm nudging you past that. I'm going to nudge you to the place where at times you are reading the Word of God specifically to look for the truths that need to somehow get embedded in your soul. It's a little extra work, and um, it's a little extra effort. And then, you know, some of you can do this easier than others. It's what's really good is to learn to commit specific scriptures to memory. You know, I'm not doing this because the children do this. <laughs> I love that our, that our children's department, I love that you parents are training your children to memorize the Word of God. And I love it when they can stand up here and it's word for word and they can give the address. That's really wonderful. Listen, I've forgotten a lot of addresses now. I've memorized a lot of scriptures and I've already forgotten a lot of addresses, but the truth is there. And so, you know, don't discourage yourself because you can't always do it in the perfect way that you would do it if you were going to stand in front of a crowd and recite it. I love that a child can, can say the basic contents of, a, of, a, of the scripture. I'd like it to be word for word. But that truth in that little heart is hidden there. And it's going to impact the way he treats kids on the playground. It is. It's down in his soul and it's growing and it's a good thing. And you and I, we have, to, we have to do a little bit of extra work and a little bit of extra discipline. This is the part of putting on the new that is going to challenge us a little bit. Jesus was a terrific model of putting on the new for us. Let's go back and reread again Matthew 4, 1 through 11. And I'm going to put it back up again on the scripture. We'll take a little bit more on the, on the wall. We're going to take a little bit more time, and we're going to go on at least one rabbit trail. And a rabbit trail is kind of a fun thing that I just enjoyed when I was reading this, and so I'm taking you there. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Led by the Spirit is a big deal. So this wasn't Jesus' idea. The Holy Spirit said, come on, I'm taking you out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. That's a whole verse in the Bible. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. I wonder why that had to be... Why, do I, why did God include that sentence? <laughs> Isn't that like one of the most obvious sentences in the whole Bible? If you haven't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights, do you think you'll be hungry? You might get to a point where you, you're not hungry anymore because I don't know what'll happen. But 40 days... I mean, I had a bowl of cereal this morning and I'm kind of hungry right now. <laughs> this, this makes me think about one time that I fasted and... Um, I fasted one time for 10 days, and um, long about day four or five, you can smell someone cooking popcorn a mile away. <laughs> you can. 40 days. 
He was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. He attacked his flesh. It's interesting here, the the patterns that are going on. All three of these temptations, all three of them, the devil is asking him to misuse his power. You and I have power. We have authority and power granted to us by God, by our relationship. I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail today. But he was attempting to get Jesus to misuse his power. What an amazing thing. He was also assaulting truth. If, if, if. You'll see that if in there. Command these stones become bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the second temptation, then if the devil... Then the devil took him up to the holy city to see him on the pinnacle of the temple. Notice, let me back up. Jesus' answer was, it is written, and he quoted a specific scripture that he had memorized. I suppose we could assume that because he was God, he had some sort of computerized, um, (laughs) heaven-driven way to tap into the scriptures and it just rolls off. I don't think so. I think Jesus was man, just like it says he was. I think he suffered temptations just like it says he did. I think he struggled with pain just like it says he did. I think if he spouted these scriptures out, he had memorized them. Okay, second temptation. Then the devil took him up to the holy city, set him on a high pinnacle and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Okay, so the first temptation, Jesus resists it by quoting scripture to the devil. So what does the devil do? He's a quick learner. He sees Jesus' methods. He says, okay, now he's going to use scriptures on Jesus. The problem is this. Jesus knows God's word better than the devil, which makes sense. And the devil is doing what he always does. He takes scripture out of context twists it, misapplies it, and tries to present that to be the truth. Happens all the time. And, you know, he doesn't even have to work hard at it. It's almost like he can just cast these seeds. It's, a, it's almost like sometimes he can take, take a situation like this and stand on the top of a, of a windy hill and toss it in the air, and it blows like so much flour, you know, the powdery, and it goes all over, and that's kind of like what can happen. I mean, you and I have all kinds of common sayings we say They're seemingly innocuous. They are innocuous. Um, But they're not true necessarily. And it gets repeated over and over by the media. Here's an an example. God helps those who help themselves. Okay? It's not a scripture. But you've heard it before. I'm sure you've heard it before. And it gets repeated out there. You know, it might be on a sitcom TV show. It might be, who knows where you'll hear it. But you just hear it. And if you hear it enough times and you don't take the time to study it, you don't know that really God did not say that. And you and I are in the house of the Lord. We're exposed to the word of God with regularity. You're in it a lot, I hope. The world mostly isn't. So they hear something like that and they just assume that they've heard, had a scripture quoted to them. And they attribute something to it. Anyway, so he, he quotes, so, so Satan quotes, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. He's quoting Psalm 91. Let's go there just for fun. Um, this is a rabbit trail. This is admittedly a rabbit trail, but it's kind of a fun one. I, I'll tell you why. I was thinking, okay, Jesus is quoting scriptures. The, the devil's quoting scriptures. I decided as they were quoting them that I was going to go back and actually read the scriptures. I don't know why. It wasn't that I distrusted Jesus, but I do distrust the other dude here, okay? 
Psalm 91, and this is verses 11 and 12 that he's quoting. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Okay, we haven't got to Jesus' response yet, but, but here is what he's quoting. Notice that that's where the devil stops. Here's where the fun is on the rabbit trail. The next verse, 13. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Notice how the devil didn't want to quote that one to Jesus. (laughs) What's that all about? I don't know why Jesus didn't say, what's the next scripture, you snake? (laughs) I love that. And I think, okay, that's what I'm talking about when you are going to invest yourself a little bit beyond the devotion, when you just follow some rabbit trails occasionally to find out what's there, because you'll see here a characteristic of the devil that isn't so easy to see sometimes, and that is that he takes scripture and he does it to you. He will fling a scripture into your soul and say, look at you, compare yourself to this. You don't measure up. That condemnation, that's never the Lord, by the way. That is not the Lord's voice ever. The Lord doesn't condemn. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit might say, hey, you know what, Terry? You really want to keep doing this, huh? You really think that's good for you? You really think that's pleasing? And, you know, come on. I love you, son. That's, this, that's, that's conviction. That's different than, Terry, you failure. You'll never amount to anything because look at you compared to this. Anyway. I wouldn't have known that as easily about the devil if I hadn't gone back there to see what he was quoting and find out, was it in context? What was that scripture actually saying? In spite of Jesus' response, what was actually going on back there? And it was, you know, we're going to stand on his head. You and I are going to stand on the snake's head. And I'm glad, by the way, that you and I have gone on that rabbit trail today. Let's go back to the scripture back in... um, Uh, Matthew 4, starting in verse 7. Jesus said to him, his answer, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He's quoting Deuteronomy 6. And that one's, by the way, in a lot of places. Again, the devil took him on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Theologians look at this temptation and they say, this is really the big one. Because what he was offering Jesus was Jesus' reason for being there. He was saying, look, all these people, I'm going to give them to you. All of these people that you've come to save, I'm giving them to you. All these people that you've come so that they will know that you are the Messiah, the heart of the Father, I will give that to you. Everything that you're here for, Jesus, I will give it to you. It was like a giant shortcut he was being offered. And Jesus, for the third time, starts his answer with, He says, away with you, Satan. Then he says, for it is written. Again, out comes the scripture. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left, and behold, angels came and ministered to Jesus. All three of those temptations were an attempt to get Jesus to misuse his power. And what he did instead was resist the temptations with it is written over and over again. The word of God was buried in his soul. His mind renewed by the word of God, transformed. That's what you and I are to be. Renewed by the word of God, transformed. The first temptation, you know, every one of these temptations, there's a lie hidden in them. 
So let's just, for the fun of it, because we did this last week, let's, let's, let's explore what the lies are, and then um, we're almost done already. Okay? So the first temptation is the command, to, for, command the, the bread to become stones. Here's the lie behind there. You have the right to meet your own needs regardless of what the Father says, regardless of the God's plans for you. You know, we trip over that one because you and I reserve the right to control our circumstances to take care of ourselves. There's a tussle that always goes on between us taking care of ourselves, taking care for ourselves, and faith. It's a tussle. But the lie behind that says you have the right to meet your own needs. Satan was saying to Jesus, come on, you got the power and you have the right, you're hungry, your 40 days are up, do it that way. Do it my way. His response wasn't to pray, Lord, help me not to be tempted in my will, help me not to do this. That's not what he did. Jesus didn't pray. He countered that specific lie with a specific truth. He says, it is written. And the specific, here's the specific truth that's behind his statement. There's something more important than my needs. And that's my relationship, my obedience, my faith, and my trust in the the Heavenly Father. First temptation taken care of. Second temptation. So Jesus, so the devil tries Jesus' strategy there. And by the way, he's such a forger. Jesus quotes the scripture, so he says, okay, I can copy that kind of behavior. He's just such a forger. He's a liar. He uses that, it is written, throw yourself down. And here's the lie behind that one. You have to prove yourself. That is the lie that you're told all day long, every day of your life. You have to prove yourself. You know, there's, there, there's pressure upon you and me. If you were really a man, you'd have a lot more tools in your bag than that. <laughs> but I had bigger and bigger wrenches, didn't I? So I felt like I had to prove myself. <laughs> Praise the Lord for a humor. If you were really a man, you would own a, and there's a certain kind of car that if you were a soccer dad, you can pick them up if they're in Bolivia or something, right? Because it has the tough four-wheel, whatever, okay. Or if you love me, you would give, fill in the blank, prove yourself, prove yourself. How about this, the challenge that says, you mean you're just going to stay home and take care of your kids? Young kids at school, younger those if there's any school-aged people here still, um, all day long, it's what you wear. You prove you're cool by what you wear. You prove you're cool by the attitude you display. You prove, you prove, you prove, you prove. You're proving something you don't really want to prove to people you really don't need to care about whether they believe or not. So Jesus has a response and he doesn't want to argue and get into, into this with him. He's got a specific truth to battle the specific lie. And it is written, he says, it is written. And here's his answer. Obedience takes precedence over recognition. I'm not here for my own self-interests. I'm not here to just do my thing. Obedience takes precedence over recognition. So the third one comes along. This is the big one. I'll give it to you if you worship me. The lie behind this one, you win through compromise. 
it's so prevalent. It's so prevalent. I, I think of the times that, um, I don't know why I'm thinking about this in the context of children, but I'm thinking at times that, you know, if you raise children, you go out into public with them, there will be times that they start acting up in public. <laughs> Maybe your kids will, never did that, but my kids <laughs> did it sometimes too. And this desire to love your kids enough to discipline them, balanced by this fear that in today's context, corporal punishment, the rod, is evil. And pressure on parents, I, I'm, I'm so glad that I've got my kids to the age where I can't spank them anymore. <laughs> um, and spanking is no great fun thing. But so you compromise. And it's possible to raise your children without spanking them, I'm sure. People have done it. And I'm not here to push spanking. The point I want to push is that we compromise in order to get along with people around us. We compromise over and over again. It's a lie. And I'm not talking about getting along with people. I'm not talking about, you know, I picked the, the restaurant last time, you picked this time. I'm not talking about those kinds of things. I'm talking about your character. Here's the, tr- the, the specific truth behind Jesus is, is, it, in ri- is it, it is written. Nothing that I can gain through broken relationship with a father is worth having. Nothing. So, a couple of rhetorical questions and we're ready to go out the door. <laughs> um, are you willing? Don't ever, anybody answer this. Don't look around. Are you willing to invest your heart with a little more time and effort to learn the word of God, to so fill your mind and your heart with seeds that when the time comes, the Holy Spirit has something to work with. Listen, this, isn't, this doesn't have to be a lot of work. It just has to be intentional, and you do have to take the steps. When you are facing a temptation, does an it-is-written surface in your soul or does, I know I shouldn't do this, but surface instead. Man, when you're traveling and you're away from home and you're in places that no one will know or see, when, ladies, when you're maybe discouraged and the credit card is shouting out, use me, and you want to... <laughs> you want to medicate something <laughs> with shopping bags. <laughs> okay, I hear chuckles in the room. Um, kids, when you know you're supposed to obey your parents and you know they're wrong, and it just doesn't quite feel cool, but you know you're supposed to obey them, what comes to mind? Is it, is, is it written that comes to mind? Because a transformed life is the result of a renewed mind. If we aren't being renewed, if we aren't always being renewed, we're trying to drill with a wrench. Because it's not prayer that sets you free, it's the truth that sets you free. And it isn't getting saved that transforms your life, it's a renewed mind, Scripture says, that transforms your life. So you have to get to the point you and I have to get to the point where we are willing to dig out the truth.
God says to you and to me, you know, I think he's saying it, that I've given you the help I've needed. I've given you the tool. I'm asking you to get into this book and find me in there. You know, here's another big lie. I just can't memorize. <laughs> okay, this is the part of the service that I'm probably most nervous about. <laughs> because I'm going to, um, I'll just do it. Excuse me, I've got to work up my nerve. Now, somewhere in the black mountain hills of Dakota, there lived a young boy named Rocky Raccoon. Now, one day his woman ran off with another guy, hit young Rocky in the eye. Rocky didn't like that, so when we get that, that boy. Uh, <laughs> okay, let me move on to something different. Um, okay, I have another song. I was going to kind of go through some of the lyrics, but somebody told me this morning that orphans are listening to this message in, these messages in Africa, and I don't think they would understand why God is great beer is good, and people are crazy. So I'm not going to do that song, okay? Because I don't want anybody to misunderstand me promoting something. For those of you who um, can sit back with smug and say, you know, those meaningless songs, why are you quoting them in church? Here's one for you. <laughs> Mares eat oats and does eat oats, and little lambs eat ivy, kittle eat ivy too, wouldn't you? Okay. Night and day, you are the one, only you. Okay, you want me to stop right now, right? Okay, um, quick and easy pizza sauce is a, a can about the size of a pop can of tomato sauce. Del Monte's good. And you just pour that in a bowl. And um, a tablespoon of rosemary, a tablespoon of oregano, a quarter t- teaspoon of pepper, and a half teaspoon of salt. Stir it up. And it's really good for quick and instant pizza sauce. If you, if you do need to get to the Capitol building, we'll just go down um, Highway 12 here, go northbound on Interstate 5, and it's probably 14, 15 miles. Take exit 105. As soon as you get off the exit, it's going to Y. Stay to the left. Follow it. It's going to go up. The bridge is going to turn and go west over the freeway. It's going to go over a hill. You'll come to a roundabout, go straight through the roundabout, and underneath a tunnel, and when you come to the stoplight, you'll be sitting parked right in front of the Capitol building. You and I memorize what interests us. We memorize the places that we go to over and over again. We memorize the places we've been. We can go in here, and you'll be memorizing it before you know it. Another lie that sometimes struggles against that is that we don't really need to memorize. I, just, I hate to pull out the nuclear bomb on this issue, but Jesus memorized the Word of God. That he had to memorize the Word of God to answer those three temptations. It's pretty strongly arrogant, to take a position that we don't really need to, but Jesus needed to. So, okay, I'll get off your toes on that one. So I, 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 I just want to lead you to the place where you and I have the tools the Holy Spirit wants us to have so that we can overcome the temptations that are coming, not just tomorrow, but in 25 years, should Jesus tarry. And in 50 years, should Jesus tarry. That you, the temptations don't stop at some point in life. They continue to come and we need the tools. So here's a little bit of homework, and we're going to pray and sing and be out the door in just a moment. I'm not going to tell you how to do this because we're going to spend more time on it, a little bit of time next week, but I want to ask you, start opening up your book to find specific truths. And when you find a specific truth that you feel that the Holy Spirit might be nudging you about, write it down on a note card 
Just write it down. Make sure it's legible so you can read it again. Tape it. Tape the card on your bathroom mirror or on your dashboard of your car or someplace safe, right? Just have the word in front of you. You know, I do tape little messages in places that I know I'm going to see them. There's one right now on the dashboard of my car. It says, buy dog food today because my dogs are going to be hungry if we don't buy dog I know I'm going to buy dog food today because I put that reminder in front of me. Put the word of God in places that you'll see it. Next week, we're going to talk about a bunch of specific temptations and some specific truths to conclude this series. And we're going to have communion together. So um, I encourage you to come back and um, um, one more week on character. (laughs) And that's plenty, I think, for now. So would you stand to your feet? And I want to pray over you. I want to remind you where we, um, where we started today, Psalm 113. Um, I'm pretty certain that 30 years ago, I learned a worship song that came out of Psalm 113. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Some of you know that song? I'm not leading you in that song. Okay, you've heard all the music out of me that you're going to hear today. That first one was the Beatles, by the way. Rocky, Raccoon, you didn't... Yeah, okay. Because you have it memorized too. Some of you do. The Lord raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seat him with princes. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. God, today as we, as we go, Lord, just in the next few moments, I just pray that the, the scriptures that we will need tomorrow and the next day might be hidden in our hearts. Not just so that we won't sin against you, God, but so that we'll be prepared to resist the temptation so that it is written comes to our hearts before, oh, I know I shouldn't do this. Lord, I pray over this flock and I ask for your covering and your protection. I ask God for, for you to open doors that no man can open, places where in quiet moments we can spend more time and devoted time in your word than we have been before. I pray, Lord, that the strategies of hell that would want us to somehow rob that time from us would be withheld by the name and by the blood of Jesus. God, I pray for something of light and life to be ours. I specifically want to pray over our congregation, Lord, and ask that as we filter into our community in the next few days, that, Lord, that we would carry hope with us, we would carry peace with us, and we would carry a good word with us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're seeing strength will rise. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon.